you're able to not just tell us that it's there, but kind of teach the client or the potential client how to see it and how to ask those questions because they always present like they can do everything. Yeah. Um, the the fact that the quality modules third party, the fact that they're using the terms assembly, the fact that their their uh, tree is only is only three deep, regardless of what you show show the levels, kind of leads you to what their lane is. Growing a business requires a holistic approach that extends beyond sales and marketing. This approach needs alignment among people, processes, and technologies. So if you're a business owner, operations, or finance leader looking to learn growth strategies from your peers and competitors, you're tuned into the right podcast. Welcome to the WBS Podcast, where scalable growth using business systems is our number one priority. Now... Here is your host, Sam Gupta. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the WBS Podcast. I'm Sam Gupta, your host and principal consultant at independent ERP and digital transformation consulting firm Elevate IQ. When it comes to ERP software designed for manufacturing, you will find dozen of options, but none of them come close to meeting the needs of complex manufacturers. Even the software that will claim to be designed for hybrid manufacturing and raved by their customers are really lean on manufacturing capabilities. One of the critical differentiators for most manufacturing software is their BOM and data model. Loose correlation of BOM data elements could have significant implications on your production data. This is especially true for complex manufacturing products. One such product is Apicor Kinetic, which is often one of the closest competitors of other manufacturing software such as Infor, CloudSuite, Industrial, and Acumatica. But how deep is Apicor Kinetic with its manufacturing capabilities? Can it support any manufacturing business model? In today's episode, we invited a panel of industry experts for a live discussion on LinkedIn to conduct an independent review of Apicor Kinetic's capabilities. We covered many grounds, including their cloud journey, features such as advanced search that most legacy vendors might lack, and their user experience limitations as with most legacy products. Finally, we discussed their deficiencies such as their materials and operations not connected in their bombs, their depth with the company structure, and the ownership issues of their quality module. With that, Let's get to the conversation. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's show. And if you are joining for the first time, this is part of our industry series for which we meet every Tuesday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern. We pick one vendor for the solution that we review independently. And we always have an expert panel that is willing to share their insights and wisdom. For today, we have a very interesting solution. And this is going to be similar to what we reviewed last week. Uh, this is Apicor Kinetic Solution. This is their flagship product. So we are going to have a lot of fun discussing that. Before we do that, we are going to start with everybody's intro. I am going to start with my intro. If you don't know me, I am Sam Gupta. I'm your host and principal at Elevate IQ. Elevate IQ is the independent ERP and digital uh, transformation consulting firm. We help our clients with ERP selection, implementation, etc. Uh, and then I am going to move to Phil for his intro. Hi, Sam. Hi, everybody. I'm Phil Kerper, Managing Director of Ringling Business Solutions. 
We help executive leadership teams align their digital transformation strategy with their core business. And I come to you with over two decades of work in the C-suite, a lot of ERP experience, and a lot of experience and uh, scars to show the good things to do and some of the mistakes get made. So looking forward to the discussion tonight. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much for being here, Phil. Dave, can I ask you to introduce yourself next? Sure. Thanks, Sam. Hi, everybody. My name is Dave Chrysler, and I own an operations consulting business working with leaders in the manufacturing space to help them create systems needed to achieve operational excellence. And I come to you with more than 20 years uh, working in operations, in manufacturing, helping with ERP implementation and systemization. So thanks for having me, Sam. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much for being here, Dave. Andy, can I ask you to introduce yourself next? Absolutely, Sam. Thank you so much for inviting me. Oh, my name is Andy Pratico. I've been in uh, ERP business for uh, for men of small to mid-sized manufacturers for four decades, if you can believe it. Um, I've worked all over North America. Uh, I lived in the U.S. for 11 years. I have a published book that helps companies on how to uncover the truth about ERP system before you buy. And uh, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you so much for being here, Andy. And uh, if you're in the audience and joining for the first time, make sure you guys comment uh, and send your questions because we try to cover them during the show. If you cannot get to them during the show, then uh, our panelists are going to make sure that you guys are going to receive your answers. Um, so before we start uh, with the slides, I'm actually going to brief you guys overall in terms of where Apicor Kinetic is in the food chain. Uh, you know, uh, and then we'll uh, we'll discuss uh, how uh, the solution is, what is their uh, strengths and weaknesses. So overall, from the positioning perspective, as we discussed during our Apicor conversation, Apicor has very similar strategy from the corporate strategy perspective, similar to Infor. They like to take very micro verticalized approach, as we reviewed during that session, and. Uh, in that, we discovered that Apicor has three different pillars. I don't know if you guys recall or not. So three pillars were retail, distribution, and manufacturing. In my mind, when I, and Andy, you can correct me if I'm off here, but Apicor was always very retail and distribution focused, even though from the marketing perspective, they used to claim that all of three pillars were always uh, equally weighted for them. Now, you know, after NetSuite, Acumatica, all of these companies, typically, you know, the newer vendors, when they start approaching any market, they don't start with manufacturing. It's very rare because obviously manufacturing is extremely complex. So what they are going to do is they are going to start with something small, which is going to be your distribution retail. That's how most companies start. <clears throat> so now in the born in the cloud vendor, all of them started penetrating the distribution retail market. And one of the first company that was really impacted was really Apicor. So Apicor is at a very interesting spot at this point of time. Obviously, they are a very legacy vendor as Infor or any other vendors that are going to be uh, pre-born in the cloud era. Uh, so the solution is very legacy. So Apicor Kinetic uh, has had a very interesting journey overall, uh, you know, and we are going to look at the product. Uh, but overall, from the product architecture perspective, it's a very similar solution as in for Cloud Suite Industrial, okay? That is probably the, the best comparison, if I can tell you, and they compete obviously head to head. Uh, the way product is designed, the way uh, you know data model is designed, it's very, very, very similar architecture. 
In fact, they try to catch up with each other, to be honest, okay? Both as a company, Infor is trying to copy Epicor, Epicor is trying to copy Infor. The people are moving from Infor to Epicor, Epicor to Infor. So a lot of you, leapfrogging. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So you are going to see a lot of similarity overall what we reviewed uh, in the uh, Infor session as uh, it's going to be for Epicor, Kinetic. So we covered... Uh, you know, competition, uh, you know, the other companies that we are going to have, for example, Naturita, Akimatica, they are not going to offer as much out of the box as uh, your Epicor Kinetic, similar to Infor, Infor Cloud Suite Industrial offers uh, a lot out of the box, right? Uh, from the channel perspective, again, Epicor likes to go direct as, uh, you know, Infor, they have channel, Epicor has channel, but the channel is not as strong as some of the uh, other vendors. Um, Jay, Phil, Andy, anything that we covered during the briefing that we have not covered so far? Uh, no, you're you're dead on. The interesting thing about Epicor is they, they have a very long history. I mean, they originated back in the 70s or the 80s with a very COBOL-based product, and then they've migrated to different technologies. They've been owned by many different organizations. They've gone public. Uh, I mean, you probably remember, Sam, the old package called Vantage which was a progress database ERP system designed for job shops, uh, custom. But when they were uh, acquired by the one after that, they were acquired by the company, I can't remember what they're called, uh, but they were they went public and they diversified their offering and they target many different, uh, many different types of manufacturers now. Yeah, amazing. Any other comments, guys, Phil or Dave? All right, guys, so we are going to look at uh, a little bit uh, about the company history This we reviewed during uh, our Apicor session as well, that Apicor has been in the market way longer than Infor. Uh, <laughs> Infor came in the market somewhere in 2003, but Apicor has been there for very, 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 very long time. Uh, obviously, they have a very large customer base. There is no question about that. Uh, and their customer base is equally segmented. As, as far as their corporate strategy goes, that's what they like to claim. For them, manufacturing, distribution, retail are all equal, uh, and we have reviewed their acquisition strategy as well. Uh, that is that sounds fairly even. They have been acquiring a lot more in the manufacturing space lately, based on their acquisition strategy. It does seem that they are trying to penetrate a lot more uh, in the manufacturing sector, and I don't know what is the real driver. The real driver could be these one in the cloud players. That could be the reason why they are trying to go there. Now, overall, from the size of the product perspective, Infor has far larger customers than Apicor. Apicor has slightly smaller customers in general, and Kinetic is their flagship solution. And uh, it's very well penetrated, very well known. There's no question about that in the distribution manufacturing space. Now, when you look at this chart, okay, you are going to feel, okay, this has pretty much everything that you are going to see in any other ERP. It's a very, very, very similar story. So, for example, some of the things that we had discussed during our Apicor session, one of the critical differentiator for Apicor Kinetic was that, you know, it had very strong MES capabilities. That's what we could find in the marketing material brochure. And we were super pumped and excited that, you know what, Kinetic has very strong MES. So today we are going to be looking at their demo screens, okay, how strong that really is. We are going to validate that. Uh, the other thing that we had discovered during our Apicor session is they don't really own the quality module. Uh, and when I, I uh, you know, looked at a lot of different demos 
you know, from Apicor, they very rarely like to focus on the core manufacturing. Okay, in general, the way their demos are designed, and I don't know, I think I said any sort of research, uh, you know, but at least for me, I could not see a lot, a lot of manufacturing during their demos. They like to focus more on the sales order, purchase order, supplier collaboration, you know, how good their product is. But as soon as you hit the manufacturing, they sort of move on. <laughs> uh, so that, that would be my concern. Okay, why are you moving on? And then we are going to validate some of the facts, uh, you know, based on their demo screens. So here, uh, you know, as you would expect, uh, because uh, our assumption is that it is a very similar product as InfoCloud Suite Industrial. So your assumption is going to be they are going to have most of the mixed mode manufacturing capabilities. Some of them you are not going to see in, in any other manufacturing products. For example, Kanban that we have not seen in any other products that we saw in case of InfoCloud Suite Industrial. And now we are seeing in the case of Apicore as well, which is a decent assumption. And now, one of the things that I noticed in case of Apicore is they have very strong supplier relationship management capabilities and supplier collaboration capabilities. Now, these capabilities we saw in QAD. I don't know whether you guys remember or not. Uh, okay, uh, I think Plax had that as well. So when you look at the supplier collaboration capabilities, then I am sort of leaning towards QAD market. That's how I like to think because that's where you are going to have a lot of supplier collaboration leads. And typically those market segments are going to be automotive, electronics manufacturing, uh, you know, minus your, so QAD also targeted life sciences and uh, food and beverage because they had the formulation management. Apicor probably does not target that. Apicor is a very discrete manufacturing-focused solution, just like in Ford. And Ford does not like to go for process manufacturing. So that's going to be a difference between your Apicor and QAD. But QAD overall is a very compared compared to Apicor. That's much larger solution. Uh, in general, Apicor is a smaller solution. Now here we are seeing some of the things such as your freight management, which is very interesting. Uh, in my eyes, you know, again, this is something that we saw in much larger solution, uh, either top three or with QAD, uh, because they can be compared with some of the larger solution. Uh, the other things we have, obviously, it's going to be assumption that uh, all of the scheduling that we saw in case of Info Cloud Suite Industrial, we would probably expect that in case of Epicore as well, which is going to be your, uh, you know, MRP, it's going to be your APS, it's going to be infinite, finite, uh, and the constraint based scheduling that's very similar. Uh, now, bill of materials and routings are listed separately. So that's a little red flag for me. Uh, okay, I would like to do a little research. Why are you listing bill of materials and routing separately? Typically, my expectation always is going to be bill of materials means you have the routing as part of that. So some companies like to list it them as differently because they are trying to sell that they have the routing as well. Sometimes routing are going to be completely different from bill of material, and that's a huge issue for me, especially if this is going to be a manufacturing solution. If you guys have any comments, I can take those. Otherwise, I'm actually going to move. Do on. they do they list the bill of material and routing separately in the screens, or are the bill of material <laughs> and routing separately in the files? We are going to review the screens. Okay. Uh, yeah, we are going to have a little fun there. Gotcha. Yeah, I want I want to see more on that one too. I think we're going to come back around to that distinction. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about their cloud journey. <clears throat> Excuse me. And this has been super impressive. 
Uh, and the reason why it has been super impressive is if you look at their current screens, to be honest, I am blown away. Okay, so the screens and the product looks as if it is almost born in the cloud, even though it is not born in the cloud. Okay, so the experience is very good. If you look at the latest product that they have uh, on Kinetic, and by the way, they have been in the cloud journey for two years. Now, let's talk about our friends at Infor. Infor has been claiming that they have been pursuing the cloud journey for the last, what, 10 years? And if you look at the similar capabilities that you are going to see in Apicor, Infor, as of today, does not have that. Infor is trying to play the catch-up game with Apicor on their cloud capabilities, even though they are all going to claim, hey, you know what? I am super cloud. There's no problem at all. We are all cloud. <laughs> but overall, when you look at the product architecture, when you compare the screens, uh, Apicor is ahead. Apicor Kinetic is ahead uh, overall in its cloud capabilities and that we are going to review on their screens. And by the way, the way Apicor, and one of the reasons why this may be true is because Apicor really focused on a couple of products. They really hammered their strategy, even though they are probably going to have similar number of products. And in fact, if you look at the Apicor acquisition strategy at this point of time, it almost seems as if they are trying to become Infor, that the Info, whatever Infor did in 2005. But Apicor in general, as a company, they seem to be slightly more focused in their cloud game, the way that they are migrating their products. And for them, they just have two products that are going to be go-to products, at least from the cloud perspective, they are still selling all of those old products, uh, you know, but they are not uh, uh, positioned for the cloud journey. The other difference that we have in Infor and Apicor is Apicor, the way they position their uh, UX module, which is called Kinetic, it's slightly leaner than what Infor is trying to do. And again, the way I like to compare Infor and Apicor, Infor seems to be very BlackBerry-centric company. Okay, it's a it's a company driven by engineers as opposed to driven by business people. Okay, so Apicor, as a, if you look at the solution, it seems to be very iPhone-centric, meaning the solution is going to feel as if it's really designed for the business users, for the users. Uh, it's not going to have as deep capabilities. And again, I don't think when you compare iPhone and, and BlackBerry, uh, it's not that BlackBerry is always bad or iPhone is always bad. BlackBerry requires a lot more training. Once you get that training, then you are going to be far more efficient in using that. But it is not going to feel as intuitive when you are going to look at the, the product. So here, uh, the way they have approached their cloud journey, uh, I am super impressed with Apicor, the way they have done things from 2028 uh, to roughly 2021, and they have modernized in phases. And this is how typically the strategy looks when you look at most companies, they are going to, uh, you know, first, let's say here they are, have done activate homepage in 2018. And the reason why they have done homepage is homepage is the first thing that you are probably going to see in the demo. And that's when they will start claiming that, you know what, I'm cloud native, uh, even though the whole product is probably not going to be cloud native. So that's how the companies like to position themselves during the demo. So watch for how well ahead they are in their roadmap overall from the cloud native mess perspective. But this is a great depiction of you know how the cloud journey looks for a company 
So then the next thing that they did is, you know, gateway to a modern and personal UX. Then faced rollout of read-only forms. That's a very conservative strategy because read-only is going to be far easier to be able to migrate than your the update screens and the master data screens. They have always been most complex. Okay, so that's the reason why they have done 2019, the, the phased rollout for this one. And then they have the kinetic review program, then best practice-based personalization, help and support panel and, and guided learning. And then finally, they came to the bread and butter, which is your code to cache. Uh, okay, then they did role-based workflows. Browser experience in 2021 is when they got the, the, the real browser experience, and we are going to talk about that. There's a difference between how browser experience works and how the smart clients work. And both of the companies in Ford Epicor, they are going to be using the smart client terminology because underlying products still very same. Architecture is still very same for both of those products. So this is how the smart client versus the web experience looks. Both of these screens appear very similar. And the reason why they are appearing very similar is because they, this, the way this experience works is you can use this application as the standalone application on your desktop, or you can use this in a browser. The limitation, that, the key limitation that you are going to get with this approach, because they are not born in the cloud, okay? So one of the things that you will not be able to do is you might not be able to use two tabs, okay? That is the key difference between this architecture versus a cloud native application. So that's going to be your question that you should be asking during the demo. Okay, if I open another tab, what happens? And they might say that, you know what, I will allow you to open another app, but that is probably going to require one more license. Okay, so it's the, the whole experience is very deep, the way the, the product architecture is developed. So they might allow you to open another tab, but that's going to be a different user because the way the product is architected, you know, it does not support the multi-tab natively. Maybe they are going to get there, but there are some fundamental limitations on these products, the legacy products, and that's why they are designing it in this way. But the other reason why they do it this way is because they have to still support the existing clients. So they have a real challenge. It's not that they don't have the technology available for them. They can kill the whole architecture and they can create a new product. But the challenge is that how are you going to support your existing customers? And, and in four Epicore, they all have roughly 30,000 customers. So this is the challenge that these companies run into. So again, there is nothing to worry about it as such, but you need to understand what limitations you are going to hit when you are working with these vendors that are not born in the cloud. Obviously, they are going to be far deeper in the functionality as of today. Okay, the born in the cloud vendors, they cannot match the manufacturing capabilities that your Epicore or Infor are going to have. So just, just make a note of that. I was just going to say, Sam, that, that multi-tab functionality is a huge issue. For those listening who might not have worked in cloud ERPs, I mean, you're opening multiple tabs as a way of life in those systems. It's part of the power of it is that you can simply jump around using multiple tabs like that. So that's a real limitation if indeed that's what this has. Yeah. And by the way, I mean, see, when I look at Epicool, none of their demos are going to happen. And just to be clear, Phil, you know, the way the product experience is designed, you probably would not require opening a tab, to be honest, okay? If you look at their demo, because everything is happening inside one tab, okay? The experience allows you to sort of navigate yourself so that you don't have to open another tab. And that we are going to see. And personally, you know, I watched a lot of videos from Epicool, and none of them allow the, the multiple tabs as far as my understanding goes, but 
uh, you know, again, we need to bet that further, but it seems like that should be the limitation based on the product architecture. Okay, so this is the experience that we are talking about when we look at the classic style UI versus the new UI. And the new UI is very similar to what Infor is trying to do right now. It's exactly the same. Okay, yeah, Apicore is going to be slightly cleaner uh, just because I don't know whether they have better UX people or the product is simple. I don't know. But overall, the look and feel and the navigation is slightly better than how Infor is as of today. Maybe Infor is in the mid of development. I don't know, but it does not feel as seamless as you are going to feel the Apicore navigation when you are going to look at the product. And by the way, uh, Phil, as you look on the side, uh, you know, on the left side, they are providing you that tree navigation in the product itself in the new experience. And this tree navigation allows you to stay right within one tab so that you don't have to open another tab. Um, you know, so you have multiple ways of navigating how you are going to be navigating inside the product itself. But again, the multiple tabs is probably going to be a huge limitation. The other thing that you might notice at the top is going to be your legacy experience, where you are going to get more of the Windows feel, where you have the you know new record, save, whatever. That was a very legacy feeling. So Apicore has modernized their architecture to some degree. Obviously, they are very legacy as well. They are trying their best. It's not as good as your modern cloud-native systems, but it's still better than you know a lot of legacy systems that I have personally seen. Hey, Sam, one, one point on, on what Phil was saying in terms of that multi-tab versus being able to navigate in the tree. Some of the systems that I've seen just from a pure user perspective, it is faster to have multiple tabs going and switch back and forth because I've seen where, again, maybe this is a settings type of an issue, but some of those trees end up collapsing and it gets very challenging to find and to switch like you would kind of intuitively switch between tabs. So there is some kind of user use case, if you will. Um, I've seen it firsthand in, in especially customer service and sales uh, where it gets to be, you know, something that's, that's pretty commonplace, let's say, um, needing the ability to switch between screens very, very quickly. And sometimes that tree navigation can be a little counterintuitive when you're trying to do that. Could not agree more. I mean, it does take uh, some time to get used to it, to be honest. Uh, you know, once you get used to it and we have seen, we have spoken to both the users that have used the native experience versus the legacy, uh, born in the cloud experience versus the, the legacy experience. Uh, and typically, typically they don't find as much of an issue because of the way the product is designed. If you actually go back to your on-prem experience, you were you didn't have multiple tabs. <laughs> you had multiple tabs inside the product itself, okay? So that was a very legacy experience. So still people are fine with that because the product was designed in that way, but it does take some time to get used to it. And when you are going to have switch over, let's say if you are using Salesforce for your day job and all of a sudden you need to use ERP, good luck with that experience because obviously you will try it. <laughs> use multiple tabs, you know, uh, Phil, go ahead, you have a comment. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't want to get too hung up on this, but if you, you know, most of the ERP implementations have been people that are going from a legacy experience to a cloud experience that I've been involved in. And once they get show that multiple tab functionality, they immediately are on it. I mean, that, that, that does not take any training to get them to like that, just, just as a point. Exactly, exactly. Um, 
All right, so we are going to review some of the screens related to their customization. And one of the things that I personally like about Apicore product, uh, again, you know, I have a lot of problems with Apicore as a company. Uh, you know, obviously you don't get as much support from the company. I wish we had far superior support and that we consistently see in the reviews that Apicore as a company is not as approachable. For example, in four is very famous, for being not popular, okay? Apicor is famous for being not approachable at all. Uh, so yeah, so that's my problem with Apicor in general as a company. But if you look at the, the purely from the product perspective, the product is designed to be slightly simpler. Um, you know, it really approaches the, the, uh, the, from the product perspective, okay, how can I simplify the UI for the business users? And that's in, in my, uh, you know, eyes, it's a huge plus. So one of the things that they have done, I mean, they had very similar uh, screens as in for Cloud Suite Industrial in terms of the customization where they used to expose the whole .NET platform where you have 50,000 options that you can use to be able to customize your screens. Now, that's a very engineering experience because engineers like to play with the settings. But here, now you are actually cutting down on the number of settings. So obviously the number of options that you are going to have are going to be fewer, but again, what do you like more? Do you like more or do you like less? Okay, I think that's going to be a choice, the conscious choice that you need to make in the product. So obviously you are going to have far fewer um, you know, options in the newer experience uh, in Apicore because they are trying to sort of uh, encapsulate the options that were available to you as a developer so those are the pros and cons uh, of the, the legacy versus the newer approach. One of the things that you I absolutely appreciated in this product, okay? And that is going to be your enterprise search. Enterprise search, a lot of legacy products cannot do that. That's a very, 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 very hard lift, okay? In the case of Apicore, they have enabled enterprise search using the your um, this thing, Kinetic UX, they have the enterprise search as part of the product. And here you are going to get similar feel as Hackematica. Um, and I don't know how uh, NetSuite, I think NetSuite can do the similar things as well uh, as Acumatica, NetSuite and, and Apicore. So they are really good at enterprise search. And one of the things that you are going to immediately notice in this experience is not only you can search these screens, you can actually search based on data. And that's a big deal for the experience, okay? And Apicore can do that in the newer experience. Again, big deal. From the user experience perspective, AppCore is, is, is an amazing product. And again, uh, they have really done wonderfully well in the cloud. Now, here is the experience overall. Uh, you know, if you compare AppCore and 4 from the product perspective. So you here you have a very logical structure. You have the company, you have site, you have workstation. Very easy. They don't like to overcomplicate by calling entity or whatever. So again, if you look at pure user experience, it's very relatable product, and that's why people absolutely love Apicore, who are the Apicore users, just because of this experience. Sam, uh, on that point, so if there's if there's multiple, you use the word entity, and sometimes that gets confusing. But if there's multiple companies, multiple sites. Do they do they have the depth with just two? I'm used to three steps there before you get to workstation. Right. Yeah. So. 
so what would be third in your experience? So let me probably probably it would it would be a, either an organization or or an enterprise or or a company or a division, if you will. Exactly. So typically the way and and I don't know whether Kinetic I did not see that in case of Kinetic. So uh, Kinetic has and by the way I have a little problem with calling it as company because entity could play a lot of different roles. So sometimes that could be subject to interpretation how you want to implement. So company is not. entity is not always company the way sap is going to like to implement and you know the way infor is going to be implementing entity could mean a lot of different things and that's why they call entity they don't want to tight couple it as the company now if yeah, you look at that gets, that, that gets confusing but usually there's one uh, something on top where everything's rolling up into and then there's divisions or business units or whatever you want to say and then below there is there's site locations usually there's a middle one that allows you a little bit more flexibility i i wonder if that's one of the reasons why maybe they're aimed at a bit smaller of a customer yeah and you are spot on to be honest and by the way i mean i'm actually going to talk about the fourth one as well okay so here we have the the company and typically you are going to have entity and then you are going to have a site and underneath site you are going to have something called a branch okay so if you are going to go for products such as acumatica and those products are typically designed for slightly more retail distribution center companies and that is probably the reason why you are not seeing this in kinetic you are probably going to see this in profit 21 because profit 21 is their retail and distribution product so typically manufacturing companies don't require three level hierarchy and that could be the reason why kinetic does not support if you are going to go for bigger solutions such as microsoft you are probably going to have multiple ledgers as well this uh, you know you have very many levels in those products to be able to accommodate all of the scenarios but i'm glad that you brought that point because obviously that's how you determine okay how large is the product <laughs> that's how you find out okay so here is your uh, this is going to be your the customization experience again the customization experience looks very simple uh and sometimes that could be very business friendly because you don't have to hire a developer to be able to do this right when you are going to be uh seeing very dot natty screens then the business users freak out okay what the hell is this uh why am i seeing this <laughs> okay can you find somebody else uh who's going to do this for me but this is not as frightening for the business users and they might be able to move things around maybe uh, you know customize a little bit so i personally like the customization aspect of the product now this is where the 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 things get really interesting okay so this is going to be the bill of material that we wanted to review um, and this is their data management tool that i have not seen with any other company so far uh, acumatica has a little bit of data management capabilities built as part of the product where you can do a lot of data manipulation but apicore is offering another tool and this is very well highlighted during the demo so this is basically uh, to uh, manipulate any sort of transactional data master data which is a massive massive uh, you know offering in my eyes because then you are getting that control let's say if you want to change something in bulk uh, you can literally play with the data but then i am always looking for underlying reasons as you guys know me okay why do they have to do this so one of the things that they highlighted in this demo if you actually pay attention and this is coming from youtube is then your uh, materials are not going to have operations and that's a huge red flag for me okay so you are telling me that you created 
materials inside your manufacturing system without an operation how does that work okay so that's where my my, my red flag is okay when you are looking at manufacturing system here is how my bomb always looks and i am going to show this to you in the cat system and and the way the cat systems are going to design the bomb here is going to be my bill of material here are going to be my steps and each of them those steps are going to require some sort of material so when you are going to be creating your operation you first create the operation and then when you create the material you have to specify your operation so there is never a chance that you are probably going to miss on the operation so why is this happening because you have data integrity issues seriously on bomb and you are a manufacturing product doesn't make any sense okay so that's going to be my issue that okay and when i look at the product continuously what i am finding is they have used a lot of assembly 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 so it seems like they were a very assembly centric product and initially what we were thinking is you know they have very advanced mes capabilities they had very advanced and by the way quality is is always the the step child that we could find in the marketing material and then we were thinking you know what quality is the only concern that we are going to have otherwise apicore kinetic is a wonderful product for very strong manufacturing but now when i look at the data integrity now you are telling me that you are a manufacturing system and you are going to have data integrity issues on bombs i'm not cool with that so that would be my biggest red flag for apicore kinetic system the way their items are structured the way their bombs are structured and we are going to review all of that but overall i personally like the way their screens are structured from the data management perspective that you can manipulate your master data you can manipulate your transactional data and you can do whatever you want in a way that is good because it is providing a lot of control but it could be very frightening as well when you are going to be opening up this to anybody and they can do whatever they want back in the you know early days of MRP and MRP2 systems routing steps and bills of materials were always in separate files and yep. separate tables and uh, that might be a holdover from a lot of these systems were not able to migrate to having concurrent uh, bills of manufacturing you know both routing and materials together so that that what you're describing might be a, a hangover from their original development days it's funny you say that andy i was i had the same question is that is that a kinetic issue or is that a is that a more general legacy issue because i i gotta think that's just they haven't gotten around to bringing that over to the cloud yet uh, so okay so this is like the foundation of the product okay it's very 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 hard to change data model of your product and data model drives how your product is going to work in ah, there the it is there so, it is yeah the product is not designed for complex manufacturing and that's my biggest issue uh with the product and that's why it's it's not as easy as fixing you know bring it over to cloud the way they have done it and making it prettier uh best easy part <laughs> but when it comes to the real foundational issues of the data integrity the databases are very 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 hard and especially when you have to please the existing existing customers you have the installed base and they are running in production and then you are trying to bring the site functionality obviously you cannot afford to impact those existing customers and you have to bring new ones so how do you manage that expectation that is the hardest part with uh, you know these products that they are trying to manage their existing products and if your data structure is not really designed for that complex manufacturing in the case of infor infor 
is really designed for complex manufacturing. You can see it when you look at the their bomb screen. You know the the most complexity that we saw in the case of Infor. Okay, uh, they they did not have the financial traceability and the workflow that we saw in case of SAP. Infor. Okay, as soon as you go to bomb, awesome, mind blowing. Okay, because this is what you want to see when you look at the manufacturing product. But then when you look at Netsuite, when you look at Apicor, they just don't have it. Okay, I am personally very impressed with. Uh, products such as Acumatica, to be honest. Acumatica has far deeper manufacturing capabilities, even though they are one of the smallest players uh, in the market, but they have far more logical manufacturing capabilities than your Apicor and Natrate. And I am slightly shocked overall, uh, you know, with the way the product is designed. So here, their scheduling is going to be, uh, you know, one of the best, uh, to be honest. There's no question about that, okay? Scheduling is slightly easier part in general from the product architecture perspective. And they had to manage the scheduling to begin with. So I guess they still have that. Now, when you look at their job screen, so they are specifying it as make to stock, make to order, make to job, and co-parts, and the project. Okay, so when I look at this, okay, where is my engineer to order again? Okay, uh, you know, so, <laughs> so the complexity is sort of missing uh, you know, because you are saying make to stock, make to order, make to job. And again, you know, if you look at the reviews of some of the users, they feel that this was really designed for some of those job shops. Uh, you know, that's how Apicore products was designed. And then they are trying to grow their capabilities, but it does not have that complex manufacturing capabilities that an OEM is going to require or tier one is going to require. It's, it's not there in the product. Definitely their the DNA of this product was for job shops. That's what it was first designed for. Yep. Okay. So here is another problem. So this is what I try to sort of, you know, trace back. Okay, what is happening here? So by the way, this is the advanced MES screen. This is nowhere close to what an MES really is, to be honest. The whole intent and my industry food or zero folks, they are going to laugh at this when you call this MES. Because what they like to see is, and you know, I note in a lot of different industry 4.0 clubs, for them, it is the real-time machine integration, storing of the operational data. If you cannot do that, it's just a data collection. Okay. And this is nothing no more different than your in four uh, you know, uh, data collection app that they have. But now yeah, they have a good yeah. you, uh, uh, a few months back on one of your news. Flashes, you mentioned that Epicor purchased an MES system. Is this it? Well, so Infor had purchased an MES system. I don't know if Epicor, uh, my understanding oh, was my that Epicor oh, was always claiming that they had advanced MES. So I was uh, trying to look, okay, where is that advanced MES? You are marketing it as advanced MES, but the, when I look at the demo, it's just a data collection app, uh, the way your Infor factory track is going to be. So there is no difference as such uh, overall. Uh, you know, they are branding it as advanced MES. That's not even close to being an MES. And by the way, I mean, see, one of the things that you are going to look at, uh, you know, they have used a lot of assembly, assembly, assembly everywhere. In fact, they call their bomb as assembly. Can you believe this? They don't even use bomb word in the product. So we are going to review all of that. Okay, so here is their bomb screen. And, you know, the bomb, uh, you can see job 2424, and here you are going to have operations and you are going to have materials. Typically, you know, when I am looking at manufacturing system, what I personally like to see is materials should be within your operation. 
the sub assemblies should be should have the operations the operations are supposed to have your materials that's how bombs look for a manufacturer <laughs> this is not uh the the way the bomb works in in manufacturing in my eyes uh netsuite does similar things to be honest and that's why that's my problem with netsuite i mean that's why i don't like to uh you know position netsuite for manufacturing uh but in this particular case they have operations and materials at the same level yes they have figured out uh you know how to do the correlation between operations and, and material but we can see in their demos that they are struggling with the data integrity because the product itself does not support the underlying data integrity which should have been part of your table structure when you created this this uh, product sam uh, you know just asking you another question here uh if the materials are not aligned to the specific operation or routing step doesn't that impact scheduling so it does because if you are not going to have materials at the operations where you are expecting then you know yeah it does and i sometimes i'm shocked how these manufacturing companies are using it when i personally spoke to some of these users they say you know what scheduling i manage in my spreadsheet that's the comment i typically get uh, because obviously yeah. the product is probably not supporting what they are looking for so they have to go back to spreadsheet and and then do it that way but they still like apicor for some reason i don't know why because if you ask me you know if i'm i'm a manufacturing shop i have to look at the core manufacturing capabilities that is my first priority obviously yeah. from the product experience perspective this is really good when you look at the purchase order sales order uh, yeah. the supplier management functionality when you look at the ux it's just mind blowing experience uh, but when you look at the core manufacturing functionality uh, i just don't see it Don't forget Sam everyone's perspective of their current system is in relation to their previous systems. So exactly. maybe the ones that love it had something horrible before. Right or or spreadsheets and and you know yeah. you I don't see how you can do capacity planning but can you do scheduling? Yes as long as it's not too dynamic. You're just not going to be able to identify maybe, your constraints with this type of system, cut. right? Okay. Yep. And if it's assembly versus manufacturing then then i could see this working because then you do have kind of a break between the material getting there and then the final assembly area just putting it together versus discrete manufacturing where you really have to know the labor and the machine capabilities and the constraints which i don't see this being able to provide yeah phil just to be clear the data integrity is not there meaning you are going to have data issues but they have a way to be able to correlate the material with operation so they yes you can use you can see it you can use it but how reliable that is going to be is going to be a question because you don't have the the integrity built as part of your database uh, that might even be worse <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> when you are working in something like aerospace come on you definitely don't want to have that and and by the way i mean see if you look at the so this is the material screen that we are looking at and you have the related app operation so they have figured out how to correlate but the correlation is not built as part of the product and that's where my problem is but they are going to have all of the bells and whistles that you would require in in an advanced manufacturing product for example the back flushing at the material level back flushing at the labor level so all of these are very advanced features oh, that oh. you are going you are going to be expecting but here the job and assembly are at the parallel level and that that's what throws me off to be honest okay i don't know why they are parallel are you doing assembly or are you doing job 
So it's very confusing uh, manufacturing point. The quality system is, they don't have a quality system. Is that right, Sam? Uh, yeah, the quality system is completely outsourced. Third, third party, yeah. Okay, so gotcha. you are not going to see, and, and I'm telling you, many of you, you mentioned aerospace just now. It's the reason why I was asking, because it's likely they wouldn't be in the aerospace industry much, right? No, they definitely are. So I have definitely seen them being used in aerospace. But again, I don't think those companies are matured enough overall in their process maturity to be able to understand what implications they are going to see because they are using this product. Probably they are thinking that this is the best they can get and they don't have access to any other product. And sometimes that's the assumption that a lot of companies make. Well, and Andy, that relates to what you just said, that the perception is based on what people knew in the in the step before. So, so saying, okay, this is going to do uh, X amount of work for me. And, and then, oh, I got to have another bolt-on quality system. Oh, okay. You know, this, that may not sound unusual to people. Right? We've got a bolt-on one now. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so, that, you know, they say, oh, okay, you know, and then they move forward. Exactly. So we have some more slides. Let's go through them, and then we can open up for the comments. So this is where the experience, for example, the experience such as drag, dragging and dropping your image and file and the document and the drawing, uh, when you are going to do, do that, it's going to feel far more natural in Apicor than in 4. Again, in 4 likes to complicate everything for some reason. I don't know why. Okay, the way their products are built, they are just overly complicated. Uh, you know, you could simplify them, but for some reason, they are complex in general. Uh, okay, that's what people don't appreciate about in 4 in general. But here, you are going to get far better user experience. You might not get as strong data integrity that is critical in my mind for manufacturing, but you are going to get better user experience when you are going to be dropping, let's say your image drawing, uh, you know, sending the drawing in the mail, collaborating with your supplier, all of that is a very critical piece of functionality that is going to feel far more natural in Apicor than, than in 4. No uh, by the way, sales demos are so popular. Exactly. And by the way, they have the similar, you know, document management, enterprise document management platform as you are going to get within four. Uh, the capabilities are very similar. Okay. So here is again my job and I am trying to dig into, okay, where is my bomb? Where is my job? And that's what I am trying to figure out. So here again, you have the assembly, the materials and operations are at the same level. Uh, you know, I'm looking at the, the materials, you have the inspections. But inspections, typically, they are going to be very in-process inspection. Each of the operation is going to have some sort of a inspection step. Then you are going to have uh, the inspection process. Then the material is going to be rejected. It's going to go to inventory. Then it, something is going to happen. So there is a very involved process overall how the quality works in the, the busy manufacturing floor. But obviously, you will not be able to do all of that here based on the way their data model is designed. This is another view of the similar, again, this is where assembly, assembly, assembly. They don't even call bomb for some reason. I don't know why. You know, maybe they were really designed for assembly, but assembly, assembly, assembly is uh, what I have everywhere in the entire product. By the way, look at the configurator, okay? The configurator is not going to be as strong as your in 4 In the case of in 4 what we could see is as soon as you change something, you could see the change on the product itself. Now, that's a very different configurator experience than what you are going to see here. So sure, you can change all of these parameters. You can do this in Acumatic as well. What's a big deal? Okay, that you can design. I can design a form and overnight you can probably create a configurator, but that's not the configurator experience. Configurator experience means when you are going to change a field, when you are going to change a leather cover, I am trying to see how my product is going to look so that I can be comfortable and order it. 
Okay, I can send it to the customer how this is going to go. That's called the real configurator experience. This is a very leaner and the trimmed configurator experience. The costing is extremely lean. When you look at their costing, it's not as deep as what I would like to see in the manufacturing system. There are hardly five layers. Uh, I would like to see a lot more because obviously manufacturing is very complex, especially if you go to very complex manufacturing environments. Now, I did some more research overall. And one of the things that you are going to notice is their product architecture is slightly better than the other manufacturing systems that I have personally reviewed. So here you are not only going to get your budgetary task. In fact, it's not clear whether they have both uh, like WBS-like capabilities or maybe they just have similar capabilities as before. But from the WBS perspective, it does seem that they can probably support the WBS-based manufacturing better than your Infor. But if you look at the, the job traveler, again, it's very confusing. Okay, the way I personally like to see the job traveler, okay, these are my operations, these are the materials, and this is the product that I am trying to build, and this is the quantity. It should be as easy as that. So again, it validates further that job traveler is all over the place because I guess the product was really designed for the assembly, not for complex manufacturing. But you can probably personalize those travelers, right? No, uh, no, not for when you have the, such deep data integrity issues, it's not going to be as easy. Mm. Um, you can customize the heck out of the system, you know, but yeah, yeah, it's not going to be as, as natural. Uh, again, if you're buying a manufacturing system, I want to see my bomb and job traveler. First, show me that, then I can figure out, okay, how my sales order, how my purchase order is going to be. That's secondary for a, for a manufacturing shop. Here, and by the way, then now they, in the demo, some of the resellers, Apico resellers are trying to show the CAT system. So I try to compare, okay, what, show me, okay, this is your CAT system. Then how is it going to appear in my Apico? In the demo, you are not going to see that. Okay, I saw that in none of the demos. Because once you see that, then you will be able to figure that. So they typically stop right when you are going to be migrating your data from your CAD system to your Apicore because it will appear very confusing. So, you know, in the CAD system, you are going to see the same bomb structure that I have been trying to describe. The service level capabilities, the service capabilities are fairly similar to what uh, Infor is going to have. At least that's what I could see. It's really pretty. Now, here is one of the review that really I really wanted to cover as part of this review. And one of the things that I wanted to highlight here is going to be overall their bomb structure and the functionality. And here towards the bottom, they are saying that job bomb MOM structures that are very complex, thousands of assemblies and levels. And by the way, this is the company and this is the aviation and aerospace, 200 to 500 employees. And this is where I would see this as a concern that this is probably not designed for complex manufacturing such as aerospace uh, or any complex products. And they are saying that the can get corrupted. He's very specific in that. So your bomb could get corrupted using uh, you know tools built into the system like drag and drop. Uh, whole sections can become unlinked and disappear. Okay, and then I think he has some more comments there. More typical assemblies of a few dozen components are fine, but very complex jobs push the limits. And this is where my issue would be in data integrity issues. And this is a real concern if you are a larger manufacturing shop. The other things are okay. So they are saying every project is unique. And although low volume one to 10 units tend to comprise tens of thousands of subcomponents, here they are saying manufacturing and has evolved the ERP system from its job shop roots 
to accommodate many different manufacturing modes. So this validates what uh, Andy was trying to say. And then uh, we are seeing technical issues support. The response is limited. And this has been my personal experience. Apicor is very unapproachable. And that's what I consistently see in the reviews. When I read them, it's a very unapproachable company. Escalation can be difficult for highly technical problems that don't fit their knowledge. Uh, we have some more reviews, but I think we are out of our time now. I know so we're, we're tight on time, Sam, but I'm really interested in how what you thought of that comment. The switching from crystal reporting to SSRS reporting was a real setback. I'm trying to remember sometime I heard somebody unhappy that they moved from crystal to something different. Well, what's your opinion of that? That's that, that, the that, first that time I've ever heard that too. Yeah. Yeah, uh, sometimes that could be user as well, to be honest. Uh, so I yeah, don't know. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, all it's of just the such an unusual comment to me. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Okay. I agree. Yeah. So, yeah, guys, so we can take some comments. Uh, you guys tell me what you guys think. Uh, now it is your turn. Well, you know, Epicor has been around for a lot of years, decades. And, you know, before I ever got in the business, they were, they were popular back in the 80s, if you can believe it. It's uh, gone through a, a lot of, ownership changes, as we all know, and uh, a lot of iterations of their products. Um, they've always been by far the best at demos. There's no question. They really do look great in a sales environment. The support issue is all, I mean, you know, I, depending upon the user or the customer, support's always going to be a problem. doesn't matter which product it is. They're always going to be complaining. But generally speaking, you know, Epic, it's like it, like what we talk about almost every week. As long as they stay in their lane, it's an excellent product. Phil, Dave? Yeah, I, to kind of tack on to what Andy was saying, you know, you go through and take a look at the uh, user success stories, and it kind of tells the tale of uh, the assembly business and why the bombs are structured the way that they are. Um, you know, and, and again, kind of tying that into the things that we see on a weekly basis, really digging into that and understanding um how you plan on utilizing the system um, internally and, and what other systems you ultimately might need that to connect to is going to tell the tale on whether or not this is going to be a, you know, a, a, a viable solution for you moving forward. Yeah, Sam, I, I thought in this presentation, you spent some time on some things that were really powerful and they're the tells, you know, you really did a nice job on this one and they gave you the examples to show what does really cloud native look like compared to legacy and how do you kind of see that and what does that kind of mean from user experience or functionality? I also thought the the way the bombs were structured and presented and how that showed, it was a tell again, use another poker term, of a limitation of the software that you're able to not just tell us that it's there, but kind of teach the, the client or the potential client how to see it and how to ask those questions. Uh, you know, because they always present like they can do everything. Yeah. Um, the the fact that the quality modules third party, the fact that they're using the terms assembly, the fact that their their uh, tree is only is only three deep, regardless of what you show show the levels, kind of leads you to what their lane is. Kind of helps you say, okay, here's how I find out what their lane is by actually looking at the product. I thought that was very very powerful for all of these products and how you kind of get the wheat from the shaft. Andy? I was just going to concur with what Phil and Davo said. You know, there's there's places for every ERP on the market. The, and, and, and as Phil said, every one of them say they do everything. So it's up to the, how does the expression go? Camp the emptor? Buyer beware, right? You have to do your due diligence, speak to companies that are similar to yourself already using these systems and learn from their experiences. Right. And it's not that one is good and one is bad. It's that the depth of 
functionality in the areas you need it has to align with the depth of functionality that they have. And in this particular, in this particular product, the fact that there's core data structural issues, you know, we talked about a little bit earlier, is this just a matter of their migration period or how, how mature they are on the cloud? And, and Sam pushed back correctly on that. If, it, if they have core structural issues on the way the architecture is, they can take forever and try to migrate that to the cloud. That, that requires a restructuring of the architecture into a cloud native environment. And that does not look like that's the path they're on. Yeah, I can take some more short comments. Dave, Andy, Phil, anything to wrap? Yeah, I think I think from my perspective, uh, we've covered it, Sam. I, you know, uh, back to back to what you just wrapped up with there, Phil. In terms of, you know, to me, it's always interesting to kind of look at what the pathway is going to be forward, right? Everybody wants it to be cloud native, and where's that separation point, right? That that to me is one of the most interesting things about all of these different vendors is to follow along and find out where that intersection point ends up being because to your point earlier sam you can't just draw a line in the sand and forget about your existing customers because that's who's built your business but yet you're trying to you know attract new people and and migrate that technology forward which has to be done at some point uh so it's going to be really interesting uh, from my perspective to follow along and to see what the the strategy is behind that to uh to satisfy both ends of it uh, if it's just a push forward on the legacy customers to get them, you know, into the into the uh, cloud native uh, or, uh, you know, more cloud esque version. <laughs> right. uh, one, one last comment, Sam. You know, obviously, when we're doing these uh, podcasts, these reviews, we're looking at screens and we're coming to logical conclusions of what we can see. But the reality is, when you're buying an ERP system. Two thirds of the that towards the success of your project is going to be with the SI you join, you work with, who you marry up with. Uh, only one third is actual software functionality. But it's so easy for us to sit here and look at screens and make conclusions where really it has to do with the company you're dealing with. All right, guys. Any other short comments? Otherwise, I need to close. Uh, we are close, super close to time right now. Okay, so that's an app, guys. So again, if you're looking at Apicore, this is one of the strongest uh, manufacturing product. But if you are reviewing them, their demos are going to be really good, uh, especially uh, towards the front end of the functionality. But make sure you guys are re reviewing the core manufacturing functionality, especially if you are going to be very manufacturing-driven shop. So make sure you are going to be paying attention to number one, bombs, number two, quality, and number three is probably going to be MES. Um, so on that note, that's it for today. Uh, if you joined for the first time, this was part of our industry series for which we meet every Tuesday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern. We pick one vendor or the solution that we review independently. So we are going to be here next week with another solution. So make sure you join next week as well. On that note, thanks everybody once again for your time and insights. Thanks, everybody. Thanks. Thank our guests enough for coming on the show, for sharing their knowledge and journey. I always pick up learnings from our guests and hopefully you learned something new today. If you want to learn more about Dave Chrysler, head over to thechrysler.club. It's C-H-E-C-R-Y-S-L-E-R dot C-L-U-B. If you want to learn more about ND Practical, head over to esoft.com. It's E-S-S-O-F-T dot com. If you want to learn more about Phil Kerper, head over to ringlingbusinesssolutions.com. It's R-I-N-G-L-I-N-G-B-U-S-I-N-E-S-S-S-O-L-U-T-I-O-N-S.com. Links and more information will also be available in the show notes.
If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, you might want to check other related episodes, including the interview with Aaron Kass, CPA, from Site Consulting Group, who brings a unique and fresh perspective through her recent ebook on how to grow and scale during COVID-19. Also, the interview with Rich Said, who describes his journey and the pitfalls of implementing six ERP projects throughout his career. Also, don't forget to subscribe and spread the word among folks with similar backgrounds. If you have any questions or comments about the show, please review and rate us on your favorite podcasting platform or DM me on any social channels. I'll try my best to respond personally and make sure you get help. Thank you, and I hope to get you on the next episode of the WBS Podcast. Thank you for listening to another episode of the WBS Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you never miss an episode. For more information on growth strategies for SMBs using ERP and digital transformation, check out our community at wbs.rocks. We'll see you next time.